What's up, gang? It is Andrew Cooper. You might know me on Reddit as Coop. There it is. You might know me on Twitter as Coop A Fiasco. But you're here right now for the very first edition of Coop's Fantasy Football Fiasco. Let's go, baby. I see people trickling into the chat. What's up, Dustin? What's up, Jack? Uh, you know, I'm not a very sentimental guy. I'm not going to sit around and talk a lot of sweet stuff about having a new show, having all this stuff. An hour, honestly, isn't as long as you think it is. We've got a lot to get to today. So first, I'm just going to tell you guys up front what I want this show to be. And then I'll tell you what we're going to do for the first few episodes. And then we'll get right into it, right? So for me, I take this very seriously. I have for a long time. I've been a part of a lot of shows, but I've never had my own show. And when you don't have a platform like this, the great JJ Zacharyson himself told me, get yourself a podcast and get all your takes out there so people can understand you, right? If you just see my tweets or you just see a guest appearance, or you might even read a whole article, but you don't read them all. You don't get the concepts, right? So that's what I'm doing here. I want to bring the concepts, put them all out there so you guys know what I'm doing, right? Here's the other part of it is that I don't want to be a guy that just gives you the information, gives you the players, says, pick this guy, pick that guy. This is going to be a show where I come on and hopefully make you a better fantasy gamer, right? We're going to teach you the concepts so that you can actually do this yourself, right? I'm going to give you my job if possible. So that's the game plan here, right? The best thing that ever happens for me is when people come to me and say, hey, you know what? I disagree with your take and here's why. And the information is something that I gave them and they're within the parameters of, you know, what can be possible and what can create upside. That's the best for me. When people say that to me, I say, good. When they say I'm wrong, and here's why, and it makes sense. I say good, because that means I did my job, made them a little bit smarter. So hopefully with the show, we can do all that, make you guys smarter. I see you guys in the chat, Albert, Britt, Jack, man, the support can't beat it. Right. And the third thing for the show is I want you guys to be a part of it, right? Get in the chat. Tell me what you guys want to see. Tell me on Twitter at Coupe Fiasco, come on Reddit, get in the fantasy alarm discord. Tell me what you like, what you don't like. Don't like the white background. It's gone. Don't like the white hat. Done. Doesn't matter to me. You guys are driving the ship here. All right. So without further ado, it's time to get into what we're doing today and what we're doing early on with the show. Football is right around the corner. I've already drafted myself real leagues, like not best ball leagues, real leagues where I'm going to set waivers. A lot of you guys in the chat, I see Craig, I see Michael, I see Rob. You guys are in the Scott Fishbowl. I'm in leagues like the FSGA. These are real fantasy football leagues. It's happening, baby. We're doing it. So we need to get the concepts out now and as fast as possible. Next four shows are going to be wide receivers today, running backs, tight ends, quarterback. We're going to hit on the big four. And what we're going to do is for the first segment, I'm going to talk about the elite guys, my concepts, how I deal with that. Second segment, I'm bringing in a guest. I'm bringing in an expert that are going to help us deal with the middle range, the mid rounds there. We're going to take my concepts plus their concepts, see if we can sort that out. Then to end the show, I'm going to wrap it up with everyone's favorite part, sleepers, right? That's what it's all about, baby. Uh, and there you go. Jerry already in the chat saying, keep the hat. It's your show, right? So how will be on next segment? I threw it over there. I didn't know where it went. But it's your show. I'm here to help you. I mean, people think about fantasy football and guys like myself as trying to sell a product. Like, you know, buy the draft guide. The reason you should buy the draft guide is not because the draft guide is the product. 
The product is you, right? The product is you winning your leagues. It's you plus the draft guide equals you beating up all on your friends and rubbing it in their face and telling your brother-in-law that you're better than him and Fantasy Alarm helped you. That's what this is about. And that's what I want this show to be about. So uh, anyway, let's get into the first topic of the day, wide receivers. We're covering it all day. I'm going to cover it personally myself in the beginning, which I got to admit, gave myself pretty easy homework here, right? I gave myself the elite guys. We're kind of picking it. You know, you're splitting hairs. You're sorting it a little bit. Mike Fell has got the hard part. Daddy's home on FF, a Boston legend, a guy that I go back and forth with. We have a lot of arguments, and that, that's what makes it great. It's you're going to get both sides here. And then at the end, sleepers, that's the fun part. I kept that for myself. So I'm not going to let Mike have all the fun here. We're going to do it all. So when it comes to top wide receivers, I mentioned that we're splitting hairs here. And it's important to take that seriously because small tweaks at the top of your rankings can change everything for how your draft goes. Think about a guy like C.D. Lamb, right? If you take C.D. Lamb and you move him from wide receiver six or seven or where he goes to wide receiver two, you're going to have C.D. Lamb in every league, every league where you don't get Justin Jefferson, right? So those little hair splitting moves, those matter a ton, man. Those are important, right? That's why for me personally, what I do, I don't pick one guy and have him be my guy. I think that's a very dangerous move, especially if you take this seriously, which, you know, if you're here right now on Friday at one o'clock or you're a Fantasy Alarm member, you take this very seriously, right? So I play in a lot of leagues. If you just pick one guy and draft him everywhere, unless it's Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, you are putting your eggs in one basket and could set yourself up for big trouble. What I do is I take the landmines and try to dodge those. Find as many of those guys that you can pull out of your rankings and just set them aside, wrap them in yellow tape, put them away, and it makes your life so much easier. You find you're going into every draft, and if you pull out just a couple players, you feel so good about most of the picks you're making, right? So there are certain things I look for when I'm doing that, right? We want in the first rounds, certainty. Certainty is your friend. It's your best friend. Later on in the draft, uncertainty becomes your friend, right? It's like it's like going out with your buddies to the bar. Like you want to go out with your good buddies. You want to make sure everything starts off right. But at the end of the night, maybe you go for a little uncertainty, you know? Go out, go to the next bar, right? Maybe go home. Maybe take somebody with you. Uncertainty becomes your friend later. Early on, you want your friends with you. And we're looking for those certain situations. I look at the Bengals, for instance, and what did they do this offseason on offense? It's Joe Burrow still. It's Joe Mixon still. It's Jamar Chase. It's T. Higgins. It's Tyler Boyd. They basically swapped out Hayden Hurst for Irv Smith. Who cares, right? Jamar Chase, if you liked him last year, you're going to love him this year. That's the certainty we're looking for. With the Vikings, they swapped out Jordan Addison for Adam Thielen. Hell, it might be even better for Justin Jefferson. That's why those guys go one and two. After that, you got to think about yourself and where you're at like where you're going to uh, differentiate between uh, one guy and the next. For instance, I like Tyreek Hill. I think he's excellent. I'm picking him a lot this year. You might be scared of Tua. If you're scared of Tua, I completely understand that he could get a concussion. He had three in a very short span, right? Uh, We've seen guys like Devontae Adams and Brandon Cooks get through that, not big deal. But we've also seen guys like Jordan Reed or Patrick Willis decide that it's too much. Chris Borland decide that they're done. So. It is something to worry about. You might do a red flag there. You might look at Cooper Cup with Matt Stafford. And not only the fact that both those guys got hurt last year, and we don't even know where Stafford is, but what's going on with that offense, right? 
You might look at Stephon Diggs and his turmoil. There's a lot where you go through and you say, what am I uncertain about? I mean, Devonte Adams and Jimmy G, perfect example right there. So the first thing you got to do, figure out what you're certain about, what you're uncertain about. You can eliminate those guys right away. If you want to avoid these deteriorating teams, easy for me to say, uh, the teams like that, like the Rams or the Raiders, then do it, baby. Get them out. Get them out. But if you want to go for upside, you might want to keep those guys in. It's your decision to make. The other thing that I like to do that I think is completely underrated here is I go and I look at the Vegas odds, right? Because I'm a fantasy football expert. I do it for work. Or maybe not even expert. Experts is stupid word. I'm a professional. This is what I do for work. So I take it very seriously. But there are a lot of people out there that take it very seriously as well. I consume all their information. But the number one people that take it the most seriously, Las Vegas. They've got everything riding on this. The NFL teams themselves and Las Vegas have more riding on this than you or I possibly could, right? I'm talking about a $250 buy-in with my hometown boys where I'm picking a guy. If these if they get these odds wrong, they could lose their job. So I go through those every year. And I also, personally, uh, because I want to make sure that I have the expert of experts' opinions from both sides, I go over to FFPC and I pull up their ADP. Those guys are the big time high stakes experts over there. I know you can play from 5,000 to $2,000 entries, but the main event over there is $2,000. You win a million, you're buying in at 2000. These are serious picks and they're picking all summer. So we already have ADP from those guys, right? So I go through and I take that ADP and I take Vegas odds and I see where the discrepancies are. Sometimes I bet, sometimes I, I draft guys, sometimes I fade guys, but you can get so much. For instance, I'll give you some right now. Justin Jefferson over at FFPC goes ADP three. Jamar Chase, ADP five. Tyreek Hill, ADP nine. AJ Brown, ADP 14. Devontae Adams, 21. I left a couple guys out in that range, but these are the elite guys. That's a whole group of elite guys. You look at the over-unders for those guys at a sports book like DraftKings. Justin Jefferson, 1,300, like we would expect. Jamar Chase, 1,275. Tyreek Hill, 1,300. A.J. Brown is set at 1,050. And when you get past A.J. Brown to Devontae Adams, he's set at 1,300. Like, even if you go down to Jalen Waddell at ADP 24, he's set higher than A.J. Brown. So we got to ask ourselves, you know, what are we doing in fantasy football that they don't believe in? And yes, I know in the chat, I see you guys, I'm waxing poetic right now about wide receivers when I am the tight end guy, but this is the wide receivers first. We're saving the tight end for later. Uh, people, that's why I got started the show is that people have heard my tight end stuff a million times. But anyway, back to what I was talking about with the FFPC, uh, Devontae Adams, 1300, AJ Brown, 1050, one goes 14, one goes 21. We have to make a bet somewhere. We honestly do because those are way off. And I even checked the touchdowns. Devontae Adams is set at eight and a half. AJ Brown, seven and a half. They have them lower in every facet. DraftKings thinks they know something about AJ Brown. So either we bet the over on AJ Brown, interesting bet. I mean, he could get hurt, or we draft Devontae Adams. He's being underdrafted. And if you think Devontae Adams is underdrafted, honestly, what you should be doing is going to myffpc.com, getting signed up and getting in on these uh, games that they do. If you use promo code alarm and spend more than 35 bucks, they'll match 25. 
you don't have to play the $2,000 main event like us sickos fly out to Las Vegas and, you know, sit by the pool and play. You could just do $5, 25 or whatever. But if you think you can take advantage of those, go over there and do it. I personally, when I went through and did that research, I took AJ Brown, even though I look at the certainty factor we talked about earlier, right? Where uh, it's the same team. It's the Eagles. It's AJ Brown. It's Jalen Hurts. It's Devonta Smith. It's Dallas Goddard. Running back, who cares, right? They're not going to throw it to the running back much more. Uh, so I look at that. And I take AJ Brown for me in my drafts. I have him wrapped in yellow tape. If he makes it to the second round, which I've seen happen a couple of times, I'll take him. But I'd rather not bet my whole fantasy season on him. And I'll just bet the over, man. I'll bet the over and I'll and I'll see who's right at the end of the day. But you you can't leave those things out. And if we see the line creeping up, then fine. We move them back out. But for me right now, just if it's that far off, I have to be worried about it. And you can ask John and Pemba. On our Quick Out podcast, we pulled up the information uh, two years ago. And sure enough, Debo Samuel was way above Brandon Ayuk in the odds. They knew something was going on with Brandon Ayuk. And they were right, right? They were right that Debo Samuel was going to be the dog. And he had 1,400 yards. So we can't just discount this, right? And if you think that they're wrong, even better because it's so much easier to make money just betting on the over and and taking all that cash. So that's how I handle the first round. I want to be exactly right. Now, in the second round, and I'm going to look at quick the second and third round, and then we'll bring Mike in, right? Mike Viella, uh, we'll go back and forth on some mid-round guys. But this is the round, the second and third round, this is where you take your shots on upside or you get value in the third round, right? So when I go through the second round here and I see – Almond Ross St. Brown. And I know you know fantasy receipts, clip it for him, send it to him. They just retweeted me yesterday with a take I had where I said he's expensive, Jacoby Myers. I doubled down and said he's fancy Tyler Boyd. And I told you guys that I'm not gonna, I don't throw clickbait out there. What I do is I do my homework, I do my research. And I look at Almond Ross St. Brown, he's a very safe player, just like Tyler Boyd was once upon a time with the Bengals when he got 148 targets in a 16 game season in 2019. It was him and and uh, AJ Green. The problem is. These other guys, they check every box. A guy like Jalen Waddle, for instance, he had seven-yard dot as a rookie, went up to 13 as a second-year player. He moved to the next level. So even though he got fewer targets, he had way more yards. His ceiling is now crazy high. Jalen Waddle's ceiling is now, honestly, no different than guys like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase at a certain point. When Tyreek Hill's gone, it's wheels up, baby. So I look at a guy like that, and then I look at Amon Ronse Brown, who had a seven-yard dot last year, goes to seven this year. In the third year, is that really going to change? In the third year, with the same coaches and the same offense, are they really going to change what they're doing with that player? Is he faster now? Is he bigger now? Uh, So for me, it's a very safe play, but safe in the second and third round is not what I want to do. I'm looking at guys that you can go big with, right? Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, these guys looked awesome, and now they have new quarterbacks. Those are some bets I'm interested in making, right? Even if I like Michael Thomas, I like Chris Olave. I like Derek Carr. So that's where I'm at. Uh, the other thing for the second round before we get to Mike is the wide receiver two label. That is the best possible discount that you can get in this range. People do not understand. They hear the word wide receiver two, and maybe it's the confusion that wide receiver two on the same team and wide receiver two in fantasy, and that all somehow adds up and it matters. Last year, if you look at the top 20 wide receivers, five of them, sorry, 10 of them came from five teams. 10 guys from five teams. We're talking teams like the Bengals, obviously, right? The Seahawks, 
the Dolphins. We go through and the two safe guys on two, on good offenses, that's the best discount you could possibly get. Why are wide receiver one upside players like T. Higgins, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle going after, honestly, guys like Amon Ross Brown? He got 150 targets last year. How many is he going to get this year? 250? He, he only had like 1,200 yards. And this isn't to bash on Amon Ross Brown, uh, even though I will a little bit if I want to. It's my show. But this is what this is where you get those crazy discounts. And you can get those guys in the third round, baby. The third round. So that's where I'm at with those guys. There's, I guess there's one more guy I want to talk about before we get to Mike. We bring the bad boy on here is Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, he got hurt last year, right? And everyone's like, oh, you know, he's old. He's going to get hurt. The thing is, he came back and he was healthy and went healthy over the last eight games. I don't think people understand. This guy was the wide receiver two in all of fantasy football in PPR. Wide receiver two behind only Justin Jefferson. And now they bring in Kellen Moore. A they go off from Joe Lombardi, the lowest A dot dude in the history of this league, where even Justin Herbert, he could take him and make him quarterback 34 in A dot, right? And and even then Herbert threw for the third most yards of any player. So Herbert's guy I'm in in on too. We'll get to that on another episode. But Keaton Allen, come on, man. Give me that discount. And the thing is with the injuries and all that, guys get hurt. That's what happens. If I had Michael Thomas last year, I had three good games and I started somebody else. If I had Keenan Allen, I started somebody else and then I won my league when he was a wide receiver too. Like you can start guys off the bench. You, you, there are replacement level guys. If you think Keenan Allen gets hurt, it's Keenan Allen plus somebody else versus drafting a player that just is worse. And as we saw with Christian McCaffrey last year, you draft Christian McCaffrey, uh, you draft Jonathan Taylor over Christian McCaffrey because CMC might get hurt. Well, what happened? CMC didn't get hurt. Taylor got hurt. So. You know, those guys like that range, I'm it's almost too easy in the first and second and third rounds for wide receiver. And that's why they're getting moved up the board. That's why we're bringing in Mike Fiella, daddy's home next, Boston Flexer. We're going to bring him in. We're going to talk about the mid round guys right after we hear a little bit from our guys over at the SF SFF show. Kendra Miller fan. He's running back 46 in the Fantasy Pros Championship right now uh, at, at the um, end of the 11th round. I want you to talk a little bit about him from both standpoints. Number one, from redraft, um, he's in the backfield, same backfield as Alvin Kamara, who we talked about in the first hour, and then obviously Jamal Williams. But as far as dynasty goes, too, what you what should you be doing now if you're a, a dunce like me and missed on Miller? What kind of offers should you be making for Kendra Miller in your dynasty leagues right now? Well, the problem now is the news worked against you, right? In the sense that you know that there's a suspension looming. Uh, we don't know what that suspension is. So do you try to go after him prior to the suspension or do you wait to see how long it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Because the higher the suspension is, the more expensive Kendra is going to be. It gives him an opportunity. We saw Kamara, you know, you don't have to go farther than, than New Orleans. We saw Kamara take advantage. I remember they brought in Adrian Peterson. They had um, uh, what's his name, Mark Mark Ingram. Yep. Right, and then they brought in Kamara, and everyone's like, "There's no way Kamara's gonna be relevant year one," and he smashed because talent comes through. These teams want to win now. They're gonna put the best players out there. Kendra Miller comes off of a 1,400-yard season. Like one thing for me, bulky in fantasy, is if you showed me you did it, I'm gonna believe you. Mm-hmm. This whole upside thing where you've never done it. I'm over all of that. 
like tight end position I talk about often. That's why I don't invest in rookie tight ends. I'll pay, I'll pay the price for a Kelsey. I'll pay for a Kittle when I know they're going to smash for me, right? Running back, you're looking for talent. You're looking for proven. This guy's proved it. And I love progression. You look at his career in, in college. He's progressed every year in the receiving game, in the rushing game. I just, there's, there's something about when you watch him play. And sometimes it's not, you know, I don't have a great stat for you or anything. But there's guys, there's certain guys when I see him play, something kind of, you know, and he's one of the guys when I started watching his tape and just seeing what he can do. I think he can be an all-around workhorse. He had 224 touches uh, in his last season in college. So, look, we talk about New Orleans. We don't know what this offense is going to look like. They have a new quarterback. They have everything, a whole new situation there. He he could come in with Kamara out and just take over that backfield right yeah. away. What's up, gang? We are back from break, and we have a special guest near and dear to my heart, maybe my favorite person to argue with and my favorite person to have a beer with, Mr. Mike Biella of DLF, a.k.a. Daddy's Home, Daddy's in the House. And, dude, I swear, if you ruin my first show, I'll never forgive you. How you doing, bro? Oh, honestly, you ruined your first show by inviting me. This is all <laughs> your fault. Just know that. I, I, it's a big risk, man. It's a big risk, dude, because you are my, you know what? You're my fantasy arch nemesis, but also one of my very favorites, man. That's why it's so great to have you on because you're not afraid to disagree with me. I mean, that you made that pretty clear. You're also not afraid to steal my players, as you've done in the Scott Fishbowl draft a couple years in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, Engram Bateman. This year, Darren Waller when I needed him desperately. Uh, but anyway, this isn't about the Scott Fishbowl. It's about wide receivers, man. So I got to ask you, dude, uh, after the, so I gave my whole spiel in the beginning of what we look for the easy part, right? Elite wide receivers in good mm-hmm. situations. I got to ask you, man, after the truly elite guys are gone, what do you do to like, who do you gravitate towards? What kind of stats, what kind of metrics, what kind of skills, or Hey, if it's just gut that you got to go with then whatever, but like, what's your game plan for the middle rounds? It's vibes, man. It's always vibes, you know, always vibes. vibes. (laughs) If the vibes are good, the player's good. Uh, I'm honestly looking for opportunity. I think when you start getting to rounds that we're looking at here, like five to 10, the talent levels all going to be roughly the same. So what are you looking for is real opportunity like what chance these folks have to shine because i think where people get twisted around the axle is thinking that you actually have to be good at football to be good at fantasy which you flat out don't all you need if you drop the football you need them to throw to you more to make up for it that's literally the only delta so what we're looking at today is these misfit toys that have these narratives around them and what we're trying to find out is what narratives are real in terms of fantasy football and what's just garbage you find out on twitter and that's what i'm trying to really find in those middle rounds is removing all of the noise that you hear that social media has gained because if you think of when like when i started playing sleepers used to be guys that nobody heard of because the magazine was already published and they made the team now everybody's heard of everything so what a sleeper actually is is someone who's artificially deflated because of some crap that they read on twitter it is crazy man that's what i said earlier that and even the even the crap that i write on twitter when it's backed up by stats i only got 280 characters and i'm not going to write a thread right because you don't get paid to write threads i get paid to write articles right and nobody reads them so you're right mike and that's the hardest part for people to wrap their head around is that 
we like Jackson Smith and Jigba, right? Like we think he's a really good football player. We liked Chris Godwin when he came out of Penn State too, but he had to wait his turn, right? Like even behind Deshaun Jackson and obviously Mike Evans and Adam Humphreys, he had to wait his turn. So Jackson Smith and Jigba, we can say he's good at football, but he also might have to wait his turn, right? Like, cause they have DK Metcalf, they have Tyler Lockett. So that that's the hardest part to explain to people in 280 words. And Mike, I know you've kind of given up on even trying to do that. Right. <laughs> like you do, you do come out with great articles though on DLF and stuff, but I like you and I'm kind of getting there myself that Twitter is now kind of just for memes and kind of just kind of hanging out with the, with the gang. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I've, I've gotten to the point where changing people's minds is not my game. What my game is, is to give you enough information to let you make decisions and point you in a certain direction. I'm not going to spend all my time on Twitter telling people they're right or wrong because this game has levels to it. And there's certain unpredictability to football in general. It, it's the way the game plays. So all I'm trying to do is tell people, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Here's why. Here's where I got the info from. You can read the same thing I did and make your decision. There is nothing secretive about what we do. It's all accessible. So I'm just going to say, hey, here's who I like. You don't like it. I'm just going to tell you good luck. I'm too old to be arguing with folks on the internet, man. Seriously, man. And you're right. It, it, at times, like with the with the parameters that I talked about in the beginning, at times it is like kind of like shepherding, like I don't want to say a toddler, but sometimes people will, it's like they're standing, there's a slide here and then there's a, like a cliff here and they're about to jump off the cliff. They're like, I like Irv Smith. And you have to tell the kids, like, you can't just tell them not to take them. You have to be like, well, do you like, do you think Tyler Boyd's good? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, do you think Jamar Chase is good? Yeah. Do you think T Higgins good? Yeah. Do you think Joe Mixon's good? Yeah. I'm like, well, how many passes are Smith going to get? And then they take the slide. You almost have to let them take the slide themselves, which is why I, I agree. I, I go with concepts, but uh, you know, giving people concepts, like that's my favorite thing, but we have there, we have to give some players, right? Like it's, sure. you can't just throw it out there and, and say, here's the concept, figure out yourself. So let me ask you then, Mike, we, the mid rounds to me are essentially rounds five through 10. Like that's where you're building your lineup and you're taking, even taking your flex player and one more bench player. Those are the guys you're counting on to play. Then after that, we're taking stabs. So uh, based on FFPC ADP, the sharpest of the sharp uh, we've got round five, Jerry, Judy, Calvin Ridley, Deandre Hopkins, Christian Watson, you were going to pull somebody from there, or if you don't like them, we can go rounds. I can give you round five, six, and seven, or, or what do you think? Yeah, I think let's go five through seven because there's a lot of gold in that seventh round I want to get yeah. to. So let's do it all in one bulk. I think it'll be yeah, easier. So that, and the thing is, like in any given draft, you can't have all these guys. Like you, we can like a lot of them, but you got to pick somebody. So, okay. So round five is Judy, Ridley, Hopkins, Watson. Round six, you got Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, Drake London, Christian Kirk, Chris Godwin. And then seventh round, Mike Williams, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Ayuk, Tyler Lockett, Marquise Brown. And the ADP actually does kind of drop off a bit from there. Uh, there is kind of a, an interesting gap after Marquise Brown. So that's your meat and potatoes. Those are those are the guys, man. So uh, give me give me one first. Like if you were on the clock right now and you had to take one from that group, and even if it's a higher one, knowing you're going to take somebody else later, where are you going? Chris Godwin. The first one I'm taking is Chris Godwin. He fits that 
perfect corollary we talked about, which is the narrative. Everyone is talking about Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. So they've now dropped the talent that is Chris Godwin. They're forgetting the fact that he's now two years removed from a major injury. We saw the talent there. And also, when you're talking about these mediocre quarterbacks, where are they going to throw the ball? Those short need to meteor routes. And that's where Chris Godwin makes his money. He is going to be one of these trash quarterbacks' best friends. He's going to get 160 targets. And when he gets the ball in his hands, that's when he makes his money. So what I think we have here is a mismatch in the talent of the receiver, the amount of opportunity he's going to get, but people really highlighting the fact that there's going to get bad quarterbacks. And what have we seen from Baker Mayfield? He can support plenty of wide receivers, but he can certainly support a wide receiver one in fantasy football. So this is a guy that's dropped an ADP about three rounds that's completely unnecessary, and I am picking him up everywhere, including recently in the Scott Fishbowl. So I am vibing with that, man. I, I think Mike Evans could probably scratch and claw his way to a thousand like he always does. Mm-hmm. But Mike, I got something for you. If you lo- if you're feeling good about Chris Godwin, I talked in the first segment about ADP versus betting odds. If you go to like DraftKings, they got Chris Godwin set at like seven seventy five. Either they think that this guy, smash smash right like smash button. I already have money on it. So yeah, I, I whenever I bring up odds on a show or on Twitter, I always make sure I got my money in first. Like. You never know who is going to see that and read. Obviously, I'm not moving the needle myself, but you never know who else is going to glob onto that and retweet it or say it on ESPN. And the next thing you know, you got a Jim Cramer situation where, uh, you know, it's going through the roof and, you know, the under display. But 775, he hasn't had under seven, he hasn't had under 800 since his rookie year. Mm-hmm. Right. And that includes all these people like, oh, he's going to get hurt. Well, he's been getting hurt and he's been getting 850 yards. I know Tom Brady's not there anymore, but it's a two man show, is it not? So, yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, what about uh, if you could give me one more from that group? So Godwin, honestly, Godwin's going the end of the sixth. So if you're kind of hanging out, grabbing him, uh, seventh round is Mike Williams, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Ayuk, Tyler Lockett, Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown. Uh, you're talking about a top 10 wide receiver when Hopkins isn't there and Kyla Murray is. We're already starting to get some positive feedback on Kyla Murray in the offseason. And this is a guy who, when he played with Murray and didn't play with Hopkins, was the wide receiver eight. What else could you possibly want in the seventh round? But again, we've decided this guy can't play football, even though his target competition is a 48-year-old tight end, a four-foot-eight wide receiver, a guy named Michael Wilson that no one even heard of until he got drafted. Now all of a sudden you all love him just because the rest of the team sucks. And Trey McBride. What's I kind of like Michael Wilson. No, you can. I don't really care. He's not, <laughs> that's not the point of this conversation. It's Marquise Brown. Uh, so realistically, this is the guy they paid. They went out and got him. They traded the first round pick for him. And the other thing about him, he's in a contract year. So he's going to be looking to eat. He's going to be looking to make his bones. Everything about a Marquise Brown situation right now is screaming value, absolutely screaming value. He finally got out of that rush first offense in Baltimore. We were waiting for him to get into an offense where he could shine. And when Hopkins wasn't there, he did shine. He absolutely shined. So he's a guy I'm smashing in the seventh round. I absolutely love the value. Absolute star. Big time year coming from Marquise Brown. And I I can't wait to see him take off because he's on almost all my rosters. Hell yeah, dude. I got a ton of that, man. And first I just want to say, Herms, we see you in the chat. I I send me that note. Tag me on on Twitter in the net, that note. I need to, I need the excuse, man, because not showing up for my first show on time. Crazy, Herms. Crazy. So anyway, Marquise Brown, they're feeling it. I'll tell you this. Uh, I think people get too, uh, and this is why it goes back to the Irv Smith point. People get too wrapped up in having to be a part of a good offense and having to be part of a good quarterback for 
wide receivers when that doesn't matter. It's never mattered. It didn't matter for Almond Ross St. Brown when they were one of the worst teams in the league, when they were literally trying to lose on purpose to get a better pick, right? With I've seen guys like Terrell Pryor have a thousand yards and for the Browns, Kenny Britt have a thousand yards for the Rams when they were trying to lose on purpose. This team's trying to lose on purpose. They've built a ghost ship that's full of a skeleton crew that's ushering cash and picks into the future. And the ball's got to go somewhere. Not, you know, skewer me for the cliche, but it truly does, Mike. So you're right on that one. I'm in on that. Uh, so I got to ask, I talked a lot in the first part about avoiding traps. Mm-hmm. And I think we're still in that 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 range. In the office of the very beginning, there are people that might look at it and say there are no traps. Like if you like every first round wide receiver, I really can't blame you. Like as much as I say, okay, watch out for Matt Stafford. If you were to come to me and say, I like Cooper cup. Cause he's awesome. I would say, yeah, that's a pretty good take. You know, but he is awesome. He's yes. amazing. Yeah. He was, he was a, he was a wide receiver two last year. He played eight games, uh, but you got it right. Like ridiculous, but you got to, you got to weed them out somehow. So for you uh, and this can go for, for first round guys or guys in this range, like what are some traps that that you see and you just put the yellow tape around those guys and say, hey, you know what, not doing it. Or maybe I'll have 1% of them in best ball. So I think one of the things that, and we'll talk about the earlier rounds first because that's a little easier for me to, to touch upon. Second year wide receivers. There are two in particular, Chris Alabe and Garrett Wilson. And one of the things I'm seeing a lot of people doing is double counting with these guys. They're saying coming into the league that they were the most polished wide receivers, the best route runners. They played in a, in a pro style offense. But then on top of that, now they're expecting the same type of leap that you would an unpolished wide receiver who had a year of NFL coaching. And that's not the way the world works. Not saying I don't love both players, but what you're doing is you're putting unreasonable expectations on these guys because you already drafted them high. NFL ready wide receivers, as opposed to like a Traylon Burks, for example, who coming in was a project and you should project prior to the DeAndre Hopkins signing, you should have projected some growth in his game, a year in a pro style offense where Arkansas was using them more as like this Rover type player, you were hoping it was going to get better. So the first trap that I always try to avoid is expecting a second year leap from NFL ready later, um, you know, junior and senior level wide receivers coming out of college. When you double tap that and you double project on that, you end up getting disappointed by what's going to be a very good season for that player because you expect an unreal season. And that's just not in the cards. Dude, and it's scary, man. And it used to just be dynasty that would make that happen. But now it's best ball and people are like, whoa, crazy upside. Who cares about floor? Well, you got to in those rounds in your hometown league, you got to care about floor a little bit. So I'm with you, man. It's scary. And we forget that those dudes, like where we have them hyped in Dynasty, like wide receiver four and five, these guys weren't even top 24 wide receivers last year, essentially, right? Or, you know, uh, Garrett Wilson, in points per game, Alave was, but Garrett Wilson wasn't. And they got a ton of targets. You're betting on the quarterback coming in and, and creating this, you know, new situation where they're just getting peppered. But we have to remember, that there have been situations in the past where the best rookie wide receiver was not the best career wide receiver. Uh, 2010, Mike Williams for the Buccaneers. That's my favorite example because he was the best by far. He had like a thousand, right? Remember that? Yep. For the Bucks, Mike Williams. You young bloods might only know one Mike Williams, but there was another one. And as a rookie, 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. And everyone's like, this is the guy. And then it turned out that in the same draft class, he wasn't even like top 10. That draft class had Des Bryant, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown, uh, Golden Tate, like, just crazy that 
what like the best wide receiver from this class might be Drake London. Everyone says no, it has to be Garrett Wilson. It could be Drake London. It could be Christian Watson. It could be Jameson Williams. We haven't even seen him. Like who knows? We already well, seen it, him. It's not going to be Christian Watson, but I, I, I get not. your I get your sentiment. Yeah, you get the idea. It could be anybody, right? But it's probably not Christian. Probably not Watson. Yeah. All right. Well, before I get you out, I got to ask you uh, rounds eight to ten. Uh, you know these guys all grouped together. I'm throwing a ton of names at you. You pick one out of that here: Michael Pittman, Mike Evans, Kadarius Tony. George Pickens, JSN, Jordan Addison, John Dotson. I can already see names you're not picking because of what you've said already. Uh, Traylon Burks, Brandon Cooks, Gabe Davis, Quentin Johnston, Elijah Moore, Michael Thomas, Corlin Sutton. That's your eight through 10. There's a drop off after Marquise Brown. And after these guys, there's an even bigger kind of drop off. So uh, out of that crew, give me, give me one because we got to get you out of here. It's easy, man. It's Jahan Dodson. It's not even close. Uh, Jahan Dodson came in and put on a show in limited time. He had seven touchdowns. He was everything you were hoping to see from this player. And he's surrounded by mid. He's surrounded by Terry McLaurin. He's surrounded by Logan Thomas. So what we talked about earlier about opportunity and talent rising to the top, there is a non-zero chance that, that he leads all Washington pass catchers, that he's the most talented player on this offense. And he showed it coming in, scoring seven touchdowns, you know, at 61 targets. He made 35 catches, seven touchdowns. He put up 14.9 yards a catch. I mean, what else do you want to see from a player that is getting ready to explode and now a full-time role in that second year? He was not a guy that was looked at as being NFL ready. Some of we talked about for Alave and Wilson. He was looked at a guy that was really this physical talent that had to grow a bit into his role. And now he's coming into his second year. He's a first round pick. He has that pedigree. He has a decent size at 5'11, 180. And like I said, he's he's really competing with nobody on what's going to be a fairly competitive Washington team, but not a dominant one. And certainly not the dominant defense that we came to expect from this group two years ago, meaning that we're going to see some balls aired out. And I just absolutely love the talent on this guy. And I think that Jahan Dotson would have been in the conversation with that earlier tier we talked about so be able to get him in that eight to ten, ten round feels like absolute gold to me dude it is wild that like if he didn't get hurt we probably would have been talking about him all year long because mm-hmm. you and you said it that they were like you know we had low expectations kind of like terry mccorn himself when he came in to washington like the expectations were low and then he comes out and not only is he he scores four touchdowns in four games before he gets hurt but i was looking at the numbers and he immediately surpassed everyone else besides Terry McCorn, right? Uh, you look at the snap counts, this guy's playing like 95% of the snaps over Curtis Samuel. When it went to two wide receiver sets, they were saying, Curtis, you're out. So, man, to do that as a rookie, first time up, score those touchdowns, and then get hurt, come back and play well, John, baby, I'm in, man. I, I was actually hoping you'd pick somebody. Pick somebody that I don't like so we can disagree more. Pick someone you don't like so we can disagree. Okay, let me tell you why I love George Pickens. Perfect. Um, here's the guy. <laughs> you don't not, like George Pickens, do you? I don't. I don't. Yeah, um, no, you know, I, I'm, you know I, I'm out. I, and honestly, there's a bit of fantasy wishing in there. Because I'm a tight end guy, I want Muth to get those targets, right? Because Deontay's going to get his 143 years in a row. Hmm. With Unless Kenny Pickett turns into 2013 Peyton Manning, one of those guys is going to disappoint people. 
Oh, All right. Man. So let, let's make it weird. Um, you actually think Michael Thomas is going to be a good wide receiver, which I find objectively hilarious. Um, oh, come on. This guy doesn't he, even want he doesn't even want to play football. Like you want him to play football more than this man wants to play football. He's been milking a foot injury for 17 years now. And you were looking at him just like the way people look at a Calvin Ridley and say, Well, he was good in 1996. Dude. No, it's not no, even the no. same injury. It's not the yeah. injury he had last year wasn't even the same injury. He it hurt does. his ankle. He just makes stuff up. He's going to have a hangnail at one point and miss games. No, he, he he's he's going to make you look bad, which is fine because you always make yourself look bad with these takes. <laughs> like I heard earlier with your Amon St. Brown garbage. Um, now you're doing it with Michael Thomas. And dude, Michael Thomas is a star. You're so Michael Thomas is a stud. Michael- last dude, even last. So he, look, hear me out. He when he hurt the ankle in 2020, he played. Right, he came back and played. He played in the playoffs, dude. People say this guy hasn't played in three years. He played in the playoffs in 2020. Mm-hmm. He missed all of 2021 mm-hmm. with a setback from surgery. Mm-hmm. Last year he came back. He looked great, dude. Go watch those plays. Three touchdowns, three games. I mean, okay. I'm not going to extrapolate that out, but no, you can. You can. It, it's it's 17. It's not hard math. You like? I mean, it's John Dotson's 17, right? Extrapolate yeah. it out, and then you know, 90, 90 uh, receptions pace that he was on, which is the same as DK Metcalf would have been top 10. What if his toe is fine? I've seen this guy squatting like a gazillion pounds on Twitter, and I know that's a trap. No, right? it, it was a deadlift, but yeah. And, and, You're right, it wasn't. And when you deadlift, your toes are actually off the ground, so it has no bearing on his toe. I've seen, him, I've seen him doing 35-pound curls with his with his toe. And it wasn't even his big toe, Mike. It was his second toe. It was like the long, weird toe next to the big toe. The one, the one that went to market or the one that, that we weaves all the way home? It's <laughs> the one that goes to market. <laughs> It's the one that blows the – it's the one where the porridge is too cold. It's not even the hot porridge toe. It's the other toe. So, like, I am – and they're betting $10 million. They're going to give him $10 million up to fifteen to play football for one year. I can bet a what, – what is it, my 10th round pick? Come on now. Say say maybe. Say maybe. No. I'll let you go. You say, no. you say maybe. You say maybe it could happen. I'll let you go. You don't like Chris Olave. I mean, what do you like, Rishid Jaheed? Who do you like? Or do you just hate Derek Carr? I just hate I hate the Saints. I, I just don't I just don't like them as, as an overall population and uh, I wish nothing but bad things on them. Uh, no, I, I, I just think that Derek Carr is a different player than Drew Brees and, and things are going to be different. I think Alave is going to get the lion's share of the targets. I don't like Shahid. I think Kamara is going to get a lot of passing and I don't know what that leads for Michael Thomas on what's not going to be an explosive offense. I think Kamara coming back is about the worst thing that could happen to Michael Thomas, to be quite honest. Yeah, well, it's to answer Alfonso's question here. Uh, my uh, put it up there. There you go. Alfonso's question in the chat is, uh, "There we go. Where are you taking Michael Thomas? He goes towards the end of the tenth. I'm taking him ahead of Elijah Moore, Quentin Johnston, who's the third target on his team, Gabe Davis, who had a better opportunity last year than he will this year. Taking him ahead of Brandon Cooks, and now I'm taking him ahead of Traylon Burks. No, you cannot take him ahead of Brandon Cooks. That's horrifically dumb." No, it's easy, man. And this isn't best ball. Brandon Cooks is on paper. He looks good, 1,000 yards, whatever. But week to week, he's pretty inconsistent. John Dotson is where that, – that's where our, our our big debate comes in because I might actually take him ahead of Dotson, Addison, and JSN. So I'm talking like eighth round for me. Like I'm taking Michael Pittman, Mike Evans first, and Kadarius Tony where it becomes a real question. People forget this is this guy was the best wide receiver in the world for a period there. Was he not? And it wasn't that long ago. It was 2019. It was with Drew Brees, and and it was on an offense that was basically for him. 
the offense has changed. The coach has changed. The quarterback has changed. You can't rely on those anymore. You're better than that. So what I'm, what I'm hearing is all the good advice that was going to happen on your show is now done. And you can go back to spitting your garbage. Cause I have, to this is why I brought you on. This is why I brought you on. Cause we, we agree on a lot of things, but in this case, the opportunity is there. The, the quarterback is there. There's a real possibility. And this is as crazy as it sounds. We don't know for sure. Obviously, I'm drafting Chris Olave ahead if I'm taking anybody. We don't know who Derek Carr likes. What if he loves Michael Thomas? So, uh, I mean, I've seen guys come back from battling injuries to play very long careers. Julian Edelman, uh, Steve Smith battled injuries for years and years and just kept playing and playing. It's entirely possible, Mike. That's the only thing. Uh, anyway, we got to get you out of here. Let everybody know what you got going on over at DLF. Uh, you know, what, what's in store for you, buddy? Thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Oh, no, it's been a pleasure. Uh, honestly, I'm taking a break right now with the potathon finally wrapped up. I need to catch my breath. That's a lot of work, a lot bro. Of work. But yeah, I'll probably get back some strategy articles on DLF. Most of the stuff I, I write is not player specific. It's more stuff to help you learn how to play Dynasty so you can figure out who you want to pick. Uh, so check out my series, Dynasty Strategy. It's been up there for about a year. I'm going to refresh some of that stuff, write a few more articles. But basically, all it's going to be is the strategy around Dynasty so you can then employ that against your league and crush your league mate so uh expect some new stuff this month coming soon awesome buddy thank you so much for joining us man you are a treat to have on even when you're being super annoying so no, we're gonna no, have you back on annoying. that's <laughs> that's how we do it in boston it's like you gotta argue with your buddies but that's how you're gonna get both sides for everybody out there and they're probably gonna pick michael thomas because i made a better argument but thank you mike for coming on we'll see you again uh before the season starts uh there you are a little disappearing act uh but when we come back, I'm going to get into the fun part of this. Uh, I saved it for myself because I'm selfish like that. So we're going to do the sleepers. I'm going to tell you what I look for in the late rounds, uh, You know what to avoid, what to look for. And then I'll give you some guys I like. And, uh, and we're going to do that coming up next after we hear a little bit from our buddies over at FFPC. Reese Hall right now, uh, and I've talked to plenty of high-stakes players. I'm sure you have too, Kev. Had Hall not torn his ACL last year, he might have been the 101 in drafts this year. That's how good he was looking last year, and obviously with the addition of Aaron Rodgers. At the 305, running back 11 behind Derrick Henry and Roger Stevenson, right ahead of Jameer Gibbs and Najee Harris. Your thoughts on him as a, as a mid-third-round pick. How have you been attacking him? Have you been getting him at that spot so far this year? Yeah, if I start out with two wide receivers, Brees Hall is right at the top of the queue coming into the third. Um, if I knew he'd be healthy for week one, I'm, I'm still a little. Well, he'd be going think, higher I, than yeah. He'd be going higher right. than the mid third. Right. He he certain he may go one one oh well, RB one at least. Yeah. Um. But I don't think we know that. Even if he's healthy in spring and the summer, mm-hmm. I still like like. If I'm running a team, if I'm the coach, I'm bringing him back slow. Like, I, I'm, I, I, he's on a pitch count. Like, I want him for the end of the season because I got Aaron Rodgers for the playoffs, right? Like, if, even if he's fully healthy, I would work him in slow. But that is actually what you want. Like, mm-hmm. he's still going to get the high-value touches. So, yeah, if we know he's healthy, he's a first-rounder. So, like, if he's sitting there in the third – especially when I get two wide receivers to start. I'll take Hall all day. Yeah, it almost makes me think that the uncertainty with Brees Hall has made him unfairly fall too far, right? 
like right. um, because of, you know we're we're talking about um, the team in, here in June. They're still hoping that he's ready for Week One. This is not. Oh, we'll see what happens. Oh, we're taking it day by day. Oh, we're liking always coming along. No, they they still think by week one. And the fact that we have that timeline, I think, maybe bumps him up, especially as the drafting season gets deeper and deeper here in July and August. Maybe we start seeing him go up the boards uh, as well. What's up, everybody? We are back in. We got rid of Mike because he disagreed with me on Michael Thomas. That's fine. Honestly, like I said, Mike's a sharp guy. We want to bring him in to get the other side of the coin. We want to see what other people are doing so we can put our, our minds together and figure out what the best way to approach this is. So if you agree with Mike, great. He made a lot of good points. And there's Mike Thomas falls in that range of players where – he could go either way. The one thing I would caution against is don't discount healthy players because you think they might get hurt. We've played that game a million times, the old Dr. Fortune Teller game. If he is banged up, if he if he's not ready for camp, if he actually pulls a hammy or something in August, if he any if there's anything, if he sits out one practice for a hammy or a calf or anything, I'm pulling him right off my board. But if he's healthy and looking good all August, what injury are you going to predict? That's what I, what injuries in your projections? Let me know uh, how this healthy man is going to suffer tragic injury. Maybe you should let him know and warn him in advance. That's, that's where I'm at. So if he's healthy, I'm picking him. If he gets hurt at any point this summer, I'm out. Uh, but let's get to the sleepers here, man. And this is where we flip everything upside down. Earlier in the show, I said that certainty is your friend. Now we flip it. Now uncertainty. Early, we ask why. Now we ask why not, right? Why do we draft Tyreek Hill? Because he's awesome. Why these guys, there's nobody like at that level that we know of. So we have to say, why not? Why can't this guy be the guy? Uh, the other thing that we're flipping on its head is earlier I talked about drafting the wide receiver twos for teams. Here we want to avoid that wherever possible. Definitely don't want to draft wide receiver threes. And this is a concept I talk about all the time. And, and I feel like people sometimes don't know what I'm talking about with the three different roles in the offense. It's there's three roles: split end, flanker, and slot. The split end plays out wide with his foot tethered to the line. The rules of football at every level say you have to have seven guys tethered to the line. On one side, usually it's a tight end. On the other side is a split end. You can have two split ends. You can have two tight ends. You have to have seven guys with the two widest eligible to catch passes, right? The flanker is another wide guy, but he has to be back off the line. If he's So say you have a tight end on one side. If he's on the line, that tight end is ineligible. He has to be back. So that guy, he can go in motion freely, do whatever. He has a step off the jam. The split end, he can't go in motion unless somebody comes up. He faces the jam up close. Very difficult. Slot is pretty simple. It just means there's somebody outside of him. Honestly, in, in modern football, it just means that you have a flanker or a split end out wide, and they're a step back, right? Those are the three roles. What we need to figure out, the first step to finding sleepers is to look at a team and say, which guys are playing every snap? Which guys are not coming out of the game? Some teams, forget it. Like they rotate way too much. The Ravens for a long time didn't have any wide receiver that played more than 70% of snaps. But there are teams that have one and sometimes even two guys play every snap. Nobody has three. Not even the Bengals, not even the Rams. You just can't have three guys play 95% of the snaps, right? So I'll give you an example. Last year, we looked at uh, the Colts. And 
when you look at that Colts offense, you had Michael Pittman playing literally the biggest snap percentage of any wide receiver in the league. This guy was playing, this guy had 11 games where he played 98% or more of the snaps, right? So he's out there, baby. He's not coming out. That you, when you consider the number of uh, extra tight ends and extra running backs they use, that really only leaves one spot for another guy to play full time. Some teams, what they do is they have the slot guy come out of the game. Uh, the Bengals are an example. It's T. Higgins, it's Jamar Chase. If they're going two tight, two wide receivers, Tyler Boyd's coming out. Back when it was Tyler Boyd and AJ Green, he played every snap. That's how he had those big seasons. Now he comes out. Some other teams, though, like the Buccaneers or the Rams. They have a guy like Chris Godwin or Cooper Cup that plays in the slot. He comes, he, he plays in the slot for three wide, for two wide receiver sets. He doesn't come out. He moves to flanker. That's what the Colts did last year, right? So it was uh, Paris Campbell playing slot and then moving to the other wide receiver spot. That's why he was playing 85, 90% of the snaps and Alec Pierce is coming out. This year, right, it's Michael Pittman, but Paris Campbell's gone. So we got to look around and say, Who's going to be the guy that gets to play those full-time snaps? Is it going to be Alec Pierce? Is it going to be Josh Downs? There's arguments to be made for both. But me personally, I think Alec Pierce, 6'3", runs you know, a 90 percentile 40. I, he's the guy I'm betting on. But if you want to bet on Josh Downs, great. And here's a, a one little other sneak move that I like to do. I look at ADPs, and Alec Pierce is getting drafted. Josh Downs isn't. So if you pick Alec Pierce in week one, it's Josh Downs. That's a sneaky quick pivot on the waivers. I wrote an entire article on it over at fantasyalarm.com. If you type in fantasy alarm, how to build your your uh, waiver wire, how to build your watch list. And I know people think the watch list is corny. Uh, the, the trade block, nobody uses it. But the watch list is actually important. I go in and I'm clicking on names because I want to be the first one to go in and pick those guys up when something happens, right? So that's the first way to do it. And sorry for the lesson on that. But with this show, I'm hoping that people watch the first ones so that they can watch the other ones. Because that little lesson on, on split ends and flankers and slot, so many times I've had people say, I don't know what you're talking about. So now I can finally get it out there. And that's why we put the show in place in the first place, because 280 characters is not enough. It's not enough on Twitter. So after that, we look for uncertainty, right? You look at the Panthers, you look at the Giants, you look at the Packers, you look at the Texans. Who is the top dog? We do not know. All we can do is figure out or try and figure out who is going to be the top guy. Like who, who is it going to be? The Texans is a good example, right? So for me, what I'm going to do right now to wrap up the show is give you some names. I didn't even get into all the information I wanted to because Mike was talking too long, but I'm going to give you some quick names. And what I'm going to do to use that is go back to what we talked about in the first segment, the FFPC ADP. That is the best place to find fantasy ADP. It really is. The FFPC has the best ADP because they have high stakes games and regular stakes games. That it goes from $5 to $2,000, 5000 actually buy-in, where you get the best experts drafting real leagues with crazy implications on it, and you can see what they're doing and use that ADP. So that's what I like to do. So I comb through their ADP uh, for guys going around 15 or later, which some of these guys are going so late, they, they might be in waivers. But here are some guys I like. Number one, I look at Rashi Rice, pick 170 based on FFPC ADP round 15. And the holdup here is that people, they want the next Tyreek Hill. So they look at this guy and they're like, oh, he's not fast enough. We don't like him. But I look at this guy and I say, okay, what does he do well? 
He does everything good, but he does one thing great. Contested catches. Of these wide receivers drafted this year, his 16 was the eighth most of any guy. Sorry, it was of the guys drafted this year was top. Eighth most of every entire college football. So this guy, he wins the same way guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen do with their positioning, with their hands. So I'm in on Rashi Rice. Pick 170. I mean, he's free. After that, I lean into uncertainty like we talked about. And I look at a team like the Panthers, right? It's a new coach, new coordinator, new quarterback, entirely new weapons across the board. I mean, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, Jonathan Mingo, the rookie, Miles Sanders, Hayden Hurst, literally not one of those guys was there last year. So I'm looking at that and I'm saying, okay, Adam Thielen with the sports books, they say he's going to have 550 yards and he's going pick 156. I'll take DJ Chark. Caesars has him 675 yards. He's going to pick 185. Give me that one. Give me that player. I'll take that all day long. And I'll give you one more. We got to get out here, uh, but I'll give you one more. And people don't like this one. Whenever I tweet it, they get upset and they just don't have the information. They didn't read the article that is in the draft guide right now on sleepers over at fancylime.com. They don't care about watching the shows like you guys do. So they don't have the info. They just see Chase Claypool and they say, ew. Chase Claypool to me is a guy that didn't even get a chance last year, right? This guy, we talk about rookie seasons and Chris Olave and, uh, and Garrett Wilson. And Chase Claypool is a rookie. His 13.4 PPR points per game was higher than any rookie wide receiver last year, higher than Garrett Wilson, higher than Chris Olave. And he came to this team last year, had to ramp up, only played 35%, 31%, 40% of snap the first few games while he's ramping up. He finally gets ramped up. Justin Fields gets hurt, week 12. Week 13, they finally play one game together. One game where Chase Claypool catches five of six targets, and then he hurts his knee, right? Week 14, bye week. Next three weeks, he hardly even plays. The last week, Claypool comes back. Guess what? They shut down Justin Fields. These guys played two-thirds of one game together, and Claypool got six targets, caught five of them, and the world is willing to say there's no chance. I look at his ADP on FFPC of 293, and you know it's around 24 bajillion. So if you look at these guys that I just talked about, you like all those guys, go to FFPC, take advantage of it. So log in, myffpc.com, use promo code ALARM, and they'll match up to, they'll give you 25 free bucks if you deposit 35 or more. So get in there right now, get that done. I wish we had more time. I wish we had all the time in the world to talk, but I got to jump out. But we have a special treat coming for you. This isn't the only new show today. Coming up next is our own Brit Flynn. Brits Blitz. Coming up here, this is the new. This show's gonna have all the news. It's gonna have all that info. It's gonna be awesome. I'm staying tuned to hang out and watch. So make sure you stay tuned, man. And I gotta say, thank you to everybody in the chat that came in and hang out today. It's not easy talking like this for an hour, but an hour, as we just proved, is not a lot of time. So we're gonna be back Monday, hitting a new position. Thank you guys, and I'll see you then.